Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Real Film Nerds. I'm your host, Happy Mike, and my co-host, Matt. What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the Ready Player One. So, uh, you want me to read the synopsis and all that fun stuff? Yeah, that'd be great. That would be great, wouldn't it? All right, so let me go to the internets. Ready Player One was directed by our good buddy, Steven Spielberg. Writers are Zach Penn, who did the screenplay, and Ernest Klein, who also did the screenplay, and he wrote the novel. And I just clicked on it, and it went to another thing. And it Oh, based on the novel, just what I just said. It stars Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, and see full cast and crew. <laughs> oh, I've been wanting to do that. All right. Here's the storyline, folks. In the year 2045, the real world is a harsh place. The only time Wade Watts, Ty Sheridan, truly feels alive is when he escapes to the Oasis, an immersive virtual universe where most of humanity spends their days. In the Oasis, you can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone, the only limits are your own imagination. The Oasis was created by the brilliant and eccentric James Halliday, Mark Rylance, who left his immense fortune and total control of the Oasis to the winner of a three-part contest he's designed to find a worthy heir. When Wade conquers the first challenge of the reality-bending treasure hunt, he and his friends, a.k.a. the High Five, are hurled into a fantastical universe of discovery and danger to save the Oasis. That is a hell of a freaking plot summary. And then it says written by Warner Brothers. So clearly they pushed the limits. Yeah, that that was a lot of... I mean, it really tells you what's going on. Yeah, that that about sums up the whole damn thing. So Matt, what did, what did you think of this movie? Um, I know that... You and I both love movies, and uh, this has got so much nostalgia movies in it, like from the 80s and 90s. It's, it, I mean, I don't think I caught everything. No, man, no. That's one thing for sure. If you go and see this movie, try not to sit there and absorb everything. Because if you do that, you're going to miss more than what you would if you just watch it as a normal movie. I personally am probably going to try and go see this at least one or two more times in the theaters just so I can try and capture more of all the pop culture references that are in the background. Oh, it's – I mean I saw some things in it. I mean but I was just overwhelmed. There's so – this movie is just visually stunning. There is lots and lots of stuff going on in, in every frame of the movie, especially when they're in the Oasis. But – uh, the whole movie's got just tons of eye-catching things. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, 50-50, you know? It has, like, 50% of the movie is, like, well, actually, it's probably more like 75-30 or 75-25 or 70-30, where, like, 70% of the movie takes place in the Oasis and 30% of it takes place in the real world. And so it's, like, the parts that are in the Oasis is just hardcore 
CGI fantasy video game looking cartoony style movie. And then the real world still has all that because it's the future and it's a utopia, but it's not quite like that. It's not shiny and pretty and unique. It's dirty and gritty and dungy because it's a dystopian future. It's a horrible future, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, man. I, I personally, you know, I, I'm a big, I mean, if you like movies and you're not a fan of Steven Spielberg, you probably should just turn this off right now. So, I mean, I'm a huge, huge, huge Spielberg fan. It also is nice that he also is from Arizona. That's kind of cool. I just really, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, there are some things, the movie has to cover a lot in a short amount of time. Short is uh, in quotations because uh, it's still two hours and 20 minutes long. But there's so much story and stuff they cram in there. Um, I haven't read the book. Uh, have you read the book, Matt? No, but I do have a copy of it. I've just been kind of sitting on it, biding my time when I have the uh, spare five minutes to actually sit down and read something. I would like to read it. I've talked to quite a few people uh, after the theater. Uh, when I went and saw it, uh, I talked to a few other people that I knew that have read the book. And they all kind of slammed the movie. Um, they were not a huge fan of it, um, mainly because there was a lot of stuff that was left out. Like uh, one of the guys I was talking to was very upset that he felt the movie made it seem like it was this kid's adventure and the book doesn't come off that way. That it's a whole bunch of like teenage kids trying to save the world kind of thing. And he's like, it really doesn't come off like that in the book. And he really didn't like that. So I don't know. I, I would like to read the book now since I have seen the movie. But we also have to remember these are two different art forms. So you don't really want to judge one and judge the other at the same time. I think they should each be judged upon their own merits. Much like, you know, one of the most pivotal scenes that was in this movie, in my opinion, one of my favorites was The Shining. Stephen King himself, and they reference it in the movie. Stephen King absolutely hated The Shining movie. Hated it. Hated it to death. But he wrote the book, you know? So it's two different art forms. Yeah, I I also am with you, Matt. I talked to some people who had read the, the book and loved the book. And uh, I talked to a guy this morning, a, a, a co-worker, and he, he um, hadn't had a chance to see this in the theaters yet, but we discussed kind of the major plot stuff. And I think what they did is they, 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 they molded it into more of a movie type plot. Like, I mean, all the major plot points are there, but they rearranged some of the things and some of the stuff that happened. And then also because the book references many of Steven Spielberg's movies. He didn't want to make movie about himself kind of. So so he kind of well, cut out his yeah. own movies, which is kind of strange, but I guess he he didn't want to highlight his he didn't want to like, I don't know, toot his own horn, I guess. Well, and he, he did he did to a level, but not not a ton. So, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, well, yeah. I guess he he didn't want to make a movie that's about watching his movies that he made before, kind of. 
I guess some of the movies that were featured in the book were like E.T. I forget which which other ones, but uh, those my, ones. My understanding it was, uh, you know, all of. I mean, Steven Spielberg has done a ton, but it was like E.T. and Jurassic Park, and um. Oh Christ! I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, well, anyways, it was mostly uh, Steven Spielberg's big blockbusters from the 80s and 90s. So there's just a plethora of those films. So think of that. And my understanding is that's what the book was, was referencing a lot of those because, you know, Steven Spielberg, you know, is one of the kings of uh, the blockbuster. I I consider uh, George Lucas the father of the blockbuster, but Steven Spielberg really kind of brought it into its own with E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and movies like that. Yeah, um, the original summer blockbuster, the thing, so this seems foreign to Matt and I, but the summer blockbuster wasn't really a thing until this guy, Steven Spielberg, came out with this little movie called Jaws. And no one... People still, still credit Star Wars as being the original blockbuster, though, Michael. Uh, I think those people are are named Matt. Nope, it's everyone. I hate to tell you this. It's everyone, Michael. What year did Jaws come out? Uh, it was before... Uh, I think it was 76? Let me see. Oh, no. 75. Okay, so I guess you could... If you go by Jaws, then you would have to say Jaws was the first blockbuster. But yes, I, man. I have always felt that is it is Star Wars, which came out two years later. I feel like you have a somewhat biased opinion on this subject. Honestly, it doesn't matter because neither of us were even born yet. So <laughs> True. Very true. But, uh, you know, Spielberg has been making these blockbusters for so long. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I just um when i was Think researching about it. he is 70 something years old he's like 70 71 i mean yeah. that's that's my mom's age sorry mom <laughs> yeah no no you're right he's he's 71 i believe and man he's just still cranking i i think he's going to be like uh clint eastwood is still making movies and i believe he's 87 yeah dude he's really up there that blows me away. He's not just in starring the movies. Well, he's not really starring in any movies. He's directing the movies, which is pretty insane to me because that's even more work. I guess my feelings on Ready Player One is that I enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, the visuals were really, really good. Um, I liked a lot of the uh, pop culture references, obviously. There's a billion, especially Ugh. being a nerd. There, you know, it pulls at all your heartstrings because it's all the nerdy stuff that we grew up with in the '80s and the '90s and the early 2000s. Even some of it, you know? yeah. I mean, there's even a call to uh, Overwatch. You know, and Overwatch is a fairly new game. Yeah, there was a there's a part in the movie, man. Um, I couldn't quite remember what it was called, but there's kind of it's like a it's a like a grenade thing, but it was like a thing that you would squish. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but I was like, oh, I remember those from the 80s. Those are awesome. Well, and if you remember the uh, golden hand grenade that he had? Yes. Do you remember that? Do you know what movie that's from? I believe I do. Is it is it from Monty Python? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, even a yeah. call to Monty Python. 
you know? Yes. That's like a super nerd movie. Yeah, no. Uh, Monty Python is just cult classic. But yeah, so I like this movie quite a bit. The thing that it didn't like as much is the story. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a feeling I know where you're going because I'm sure it's the same area where it fell flat for me. The story is a little, uh, I guess, rough. I mean, so there's this love interest thing and it happens within like two seconds in the movie. My, my coworkers brought up the point that if we're all in this kind of, you know, dystopian future and we're, we're logging into this oasis and we spend, you know, a good amount of our time in the oasis, maybe things are a little bit different on how we approach, uh, stuff because it's not as real and we're just, I don't know, quicker to fall in love, I guess. I don't know, man. The whole story for me just fell flat. I thought it was, uh, it was not very good. It, there was just bad writing in it. Just not interesting. You know, one of the best parts of the story that's outside of the Oasis was the very beginning when he's like crawling down like the uh, mountain of mobile homes that all, all stacked up on top of each other. And yes. you're like peering into like all these windows and all, you know, you can see these different people's lives and what they're doing and they're all on the Oasis, but they're all different. I thought that was really neat. I would have liked to see some more of that, you know, stuff like that to help advance the story. For the most part, the story was boring. I mean, the main protagonist, okay, he's an orphan and he's living with his aunt and uncle and they don't really touch on that. They don't really touch on what happened to his parents. They don't really touch on why Columbus, Ohio of all places is the biggest city in the entire world now. And it's this, horrible dystopian awful future that nobody wants to live in and so they all live in the oasis basically then you know the the his peak love interest you know he falls for at the blink of an eye fine whatever i understand that but then also he has all these friendships right with the the fab five or the high five or whatever they call them high five High five, I i think yeah and so he has all these relationships with them and coincidentally they all live in Columbus, which I call bullshit on because I, I don't know about you, but I've made a few friends online in the past. I would say I never knew their real names and things like that. I just, you know, they were part of when I played, um, uh, I only ever played two MMOs in my entire life and I made a couple friends on the one I played, which was uh, Star Wars Galaxies, before EA screwed it all up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Galaxies, I made a couple of friends. And when we would log in, when I would log in when I got off work and play with these guys, they were not in Arizona, let alone the United States. A couple of them were in the United States, but a few of them were over in Japan and China and stuff like that. And the reason why we got along well and we started our little group that we played with is because the timing was right. You know, I was getting off work really late. I was working in restaurants. So I would play from midnight, one o'clock in the morning until about five or six in the morning. One of the guys I played with was uh, a factory worker 
in the uh, Midwest. He worked at a Gatorade plant of all places. <laughs> and he was on one of the shitty shifts. And so he got off work around when I did. And so in the in the Midwest, the time change is significant. And so it was more like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning for him. But he would get on and we'd play with him and a couple other guys. But this was also when there was no microphones and no headsets. It was all typing. And so when I played with like the Japanese guys and the Chinese guys and stuff that were on there too, um, they would type out. I would say English. I would type out. I'm sure I saw they saw whatever language I was typing in, whatever language they were reading in. But my whole thing is he has this group. He's never met him in real life. And they all coincidentally live with at least driving range of him. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they were all easily mobilized. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very quick. They didn't discuss how any of that stuff happened. Um, no, that's why. And, you know, one of the one of the really interesting things is the villain. I think the villain is very fascinating. He has a very interesting story. You actually get to see a little bit of his backstory but it never really explains why he went kind of to this dark overlord wanting to control everything. You know, yeah. it, it, you see him a little bit as an intern and stuff like that. And then the the um, love interest, uh, Olivia Cook, great actress, by the way, she is out for revenge because the main villain, she blames for his father's death for, you know, all this, you know, basically mining and all this other crap that he had to do for the company that he's running. But yeah. they don't go into why he got stuck there, why he was having to pay off these debts. I would have liked to have had a little bit more that than that, you know, to the characters themselves and why I should give a shit about them. I guess yeah. is basically what I'm trying to say. You have all these really fascinating, interesting characters that are basically kind of living double lives that come together in the real world towards the end. But I didn't care because I didn't give a shit about their lives. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, a, you know, it's it's a great popcorn movie. There's not a there's not a ton of um, meaningful uh, connections and stuff with the characters or even explanations. A lot of it's just you gotta hold on to the I believe button and just uh, keep believing to, to get it going. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to rip the movie apart, but it's exactly, it's a really good summer blockbuster. And I can't believe we're saying summer is starting in March now, but whatever it is. I, well, yeah. With affinity war coming out. Well, you know, Ready Player One, like you said, it's a summer blockbuster, and it came out the last week of March. You know, and then Infinity Infinity Wars is coming out this month in April. Uh, Deadpool Two is coming out this month. Um, Super Troopers Two is coming out this month. There's a whole lot of films dropping in April. Super Troopers Two is coming out. Man, that's awesome. How did you not know that? We are for sure reviewing that one. That's oh, dude. How did they didn't have that? as a trailer for one of your movies recently? Yeah, they, yes, they have, but I wasn't sure. Oh yeah. 420. Of course. Never Come mind. On. I, yeah, Come on. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got it. But I've been paying attention to super troopers Two coming out ever since they started the, uh, crowdfunding for it. You know, I, I got, I 
found out about it after the crowdfunding was already closed, so I didn't get to donate anything to it. But I found out about it through that, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. They're actually doing a Super Troopers 2. Woo! Finally! That 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 is uh that that is pretty awesome man yeah i i I love those guys they're hilarious yeah i wonder what took them so long to make another movie but it doesn't matter it'll be awesome maybe they offended too many people with the first one i don't know about that well with these pc days that we're living in right now man they're they're gonna offend a ton of people oh hell yeah there's gonna be picketing of the theaters it'll be great (laughs) (laughs) all right so Mike, what was your favorite part of Ready Player One? I really liked um, this kind of smaller character, but um, uh, T.J. Miller's character, Irock. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, that was another thing. I wish they would have shown T.J. Miller. I think if they would have even just shown him for like a blip and had him be like that dude on like South Park that is like, 900 pounds sitting in his mom's basement behind a computer i think if they would have done something like that even if it was cgi i think that would have been hilarious that that would have been hilarious i just liked his um the comic relief he added because it's it it was funny it was it was good stuff yeah i miss him on silicon valley which recently started so I, I liked him a lot he, and, and one of the stranger things was to see simon Pegg is in it and he was had an American accent, and it was so weird. An American accent. He was barely in it at all. Well, yeah, he's barely in it, but and, but and he's old as shit. Yeah, but ah oh, man, it was weird. That was that was strange, almost off putting for me. Yeah, it kind of uh-huh. was because I'm used to Simon Pegg, you know, being the big time comedian, or you know, from his work at Star Trek and. Yeah, he's been in so many, I mean, Shaun of the Dead, so many good movies. Yeah, well, I I like his movies that he did with his buddy, you know. Those are the ones I prefer of him, but, you know, the ones they wrote and directed and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. There was Shaun of the Dead. What was the cop one? Hot Fuzz, man. How do you forget Hot Hot Fuzz? Hot Hot Fuzz, yeah. It's the world's most badass action movie where no one dies. (laughs) I thought that was great. That is great. My favorite scene, or my favorite part of Ready Player One, hands down, was the second key in The Shining. I just Uh, thought that was so freaking awesome. That was really cool. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I'm a huge Stanley Kubrick fan, so that doesn't help. But I just absolutely love that whole sequence and how... um, the big badass orc looking uh character I'm for uh H I think is what it is. Yes, H. That was just awesome. When I'm not going to spoil one of the big spoilers, but when he goes in there and is talking, "Oh yeah, this is great. This is great. I but I've never seen this movie, so I don't know what's going on." <laughs> and sees the twins and it's like oh little girls little girls come here i just love that whole scene <laughs> with h and all the shit that just went tumbling down from that point on i was like this is just great because yeah. honestly if you haven't seen the shining before you see ready player one you probably should go watch the si- shining because you're gonna miss all the references to the shining in there you're not gonna get it because it doesn't have any of the main characters and it. it doesn't have any of the main a- actors in it from the shining it just has 
all the stuff that happened sequences. at the hotel. Yes. Yeah, and it has sequences. Not not everything, but a lot of really cool stuff. It was done really neat. Yeah, and one of those sequences was the maze at the end, but the maze literally is like maybe a 30-second scene in this movie. And so if you've seen The Shining, you're like, oh, this is awesome. But if you haven't, you're like, what's this? This doesn't make sense. So that's one thing I... I there's a lot of the pop culture I got, I would say 90% of it, 10% of it I didn't because I'm not as hardcore of a nerd as a lot of people, I guess you would say, when it comes to the 80s and pop culture nostalgia, but I got most of it. And so if you are not into pop culture and haven't paid attention to a lot of it in the past you know, 20, 30 years, then you might want to skip this one. Yeah, that's true. Are you on your phone or are you falling asleep, Michael? No, I'm You're awake. Okay. Yeah. What? Do you you thought I you thought I fell asleep? No. Oh yeah. I'm just calling you out cuz I know you're going to fall asleep cuz you're an old man. I am an old man. <laughs> I just recently had a birthday. I'm very old. Yep, 112. Congratulations. Yes. You made it. I did. All right, so Michael the big question. How many reels? All right, Matt. So, you know, I'm pretty tough, tough person to, 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 to rate, but I'm going to give it three and a half reels. Wow. That's amazing. That's two, three and a halfs in a row. Yeah. I, and in a, in a, in a freaking row, Michael. Yeah. And although the story is not the best, the visuals and and the the different throwbacks to different all the different movies and all that stuff i just loved it because well i love movies and all that stuff and i grew up on all those movies so it's it's um you know i am the target audience so i loved it that's oh stuff. yeah dude we we are the target audience for sure people in their late 20s early 30s Mid thirties, late thirties, early forties. We are the target audience for this movie for sure. Yeah, so I, I loved all that stuff. I thought the special effects were were really well done. So I'm gonna do three and a half reels. That just brings me to one of my favorite scenes I was just thinking about. The uh Chucky doll when they oh. used it as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. That was so good. <laughs> Yes, and as a, a reminder, I guess it's a little late. There's this is lots of spoilers, oh, lots yeah. and lots of spoilers. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I just put it in our description that there's nothing but freaking spoilers in our reviews. But that's what it is. Like I've recently started reading reviews from newspapers and online and media websites just to kind of compare and contrast what we talk about after we do an episode. It's really weird because when they're written. The first like 75% of the article is nothing but the movie critics saying what the movie is like the whole thing. And there's no warnings of spoilers or nothing. The whole thing is the entire explanation of the movie. And the last paragraph is what they thought of it. I find that kind of disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Anyways, on that note, I agree with you, Michael. I give it a three and a half reels out of five. I personally would like to give it a four, but the story just kills it for me, man. It really does. 
It really does. Or else I would rate it much a little bit higher. No, I I, I get it. It like if the story was just a little bit better, you know, it it had all the, you know, Spielberg is still Spielberg, so he 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 knows how to make movies and he he knows how to do some little things and and just he he's good. Just the story story wasn't just quite there. The pacing was just on the money. The visuals were on the money. It was shot beautifully. The story fell flat for me. That's the biggest issue I have with this movie. But again, I'm still going to see it at least one or two more times, just purely based on the nostalgia. No, it 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 was cool, and like just trying to figure out all the different. I I mean, there would just be some shots, and I was like, wow, there's. There's so much that I just got shown. I can't even process everything. It's like so much in certain scenes where you're just in bedrooms or or whatever, and you're just like overloaded with stuff. Do you think that's a bit of a detriment to the film, though? That there's maybe maybe too much nostalgia in it? Mm, I could see how some people might say that, but I, I, I dug it. I love I, I you know they got me hook line and sinker I I was like yeah that's cool I I enjoyed it a lot I don't think the nostalgia took away from it at all there might be too much of it for some people but I thought it was great yeah me it made too. me it made me want to like be in the oasis and not even for the fact that I want to escape my life that's beside the point I just wanted to be in the oasis to relive a lot of this cool pop culture stuff that i miss you know yeah uh to be kids again back when we didn't have to care about bills and things uh brought a lot of that back a lot of that the fun times and you know like one uh, another fun reference that they had in there that i mean immediately brings me back to our childhood specifically was uh when they were talking about goldeneye (laughs) <laughs> you know oh yeah yeah and they yeah. drop a job yeah and they drop a line right after that it, that if you have never played goldeneye you would be like what the hell are they talking about but if you play goldeneye especially as relentlessly as we did as kids you would find it hilarious because he says you know playing odd job uh, you know he played a round of goldeneye as odd job uh with slappers only and so if you've never played Goldeneye, you wouldn't know what slappers only are. You probably would know who Oddjob is because he's a major, you know, um, uh, James Bond villain. So I just love that. I thought that was kind of cool. That yeah. he really, really delved deep in the nostalgia on some of that stuff. Yeah. No, they they did. There's lots and lots of references. Just sometimes, I mean, just real quick stuff um, sometimes, but sometimes more in depth Ah, visual references everywhere. I, I mean, every little nook and cranny, there was stuff. Um, so, yep, definitely, definitely good. Alrighty, well, Michael, you have anything else you want to add about uh, Real Player One? Well, uh, we we need to tie it to the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Oh, I almost forgot. So oh, I'm a slacker. Oh. So I'm going to have to stretch it again, it looks like. We have um, the main character, uh, Wade uh, Wade Watts, right? Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Wade Watts, he, uh, uh, or Ty Sheridan is the actor's name. He was in, uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Was he? Yes. What do you play in X-Men Apocalypse? He is, uh, Scott Summers. Or Cyclops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. A young Scott Summers. Yes. Um, and then, as another stretch, another, uh, X-Men universe, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is, uh, IROC, TJ Miller is in Deadpool. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but that, that's still, that's still a heck of a stretch as well on that one. I know, I know, that's, but. Cause, Cause that's one of the reasons why Josh Brolin was allowed to play both Cable and Thanos is because they're in separate universes. But now that Disney has purchased Fox, they're going to be in the same universe. At least that's what everyone's saying. We won't know until they officially come out. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I I, I that's uh, all I could come up with for the no, Marvel dude, Cinematic no. Universe. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I th- I thought it was good. It was good, Mike. I completely forgot that we were even needed to do that. I feel like a slacker. <laughs> well, crap. Okay. I'm glad I made that your thing. Is finding out how all of them relate. Cause you nailed it. All right. Um, other than that, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great popcorn movie. This, this was pretty fun and it is kind of like a fun summer movie, but it was March. So <laughs> it's fun. It's entertaining, extremely nostalgic. Is it going to win an Oscar? No. Is it quote unquote artsy, all that crap trying to tell you something? Trying to say technology's bad or technology's good or no. It was just a fun, entertaining movie, and there is nothing wrong with that. Like, subscribe, comment, rate us on iTunes. Uh, let us know how we're doing. If you know a way this movie relates to the Marvel Cinematic Universe better than we do, email us, hit us up. So I guess uh, on that note, thank you for listening to uh, Real Film Nerds and go out and catch a movie. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now go out and catch a movie. God damn it, now my mom's calling me. Hold on. This will be funny. Let's see if you hear this. Hold on. I don't know if I can pick it up. Hello? Don't watch the game. Hey, um, I'm recording a podcast with Mike. Can I call you back later? Bye. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Isn't that funny? My cell phone rings to my computer because it's, you know, Google Fi. (laughs) 